Nah, I sort of there's, there's a pluralization, doesn't count. There's, yeah, there's no one called Edwards in real life. Yeah. Uh, well, other than Jedwards, maybe. <laughs> I used to get, uh, I was back when I lived in Brighton, I had my hair sort of done in like a sort of faux hawk thing, which was all the rage, if you remember back in the sort it's of. the least surprising thing ever. And it, well, I went to an amateur <laughs> comedy show. And I don't know what this person had planned for their set, but they transitioned the whole thing to basically calling me Jedward, and I was just the laughing stock of the thing, um, <laughs> which was really lovely. And uh, so you were basically the Adam Webster of Saturday. Yeah, pretty pretty much. Yeah, i I didn't have a there was I didn't have a partner in crime there, in, in I did, there was no James Milner sat next James to me, Milner. also looking crap. Uh, but no, it was just just me getting embarrassed. Uh. <laughs> All right, welcome to episode one two two four one two four. Jeez, uh, two two four. Uh, bank holiday Monday for some. Uh, you two, Adam and Craig, will be celebrating your bank holiday next weekend. Um, so it was two two four is the formation we played. <laughs> it was That's a little bit, like. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is this show about Adam's hairstyle tips? Uh, that is on our Patreon, Stephen. Uh, <laughs> it's on my OnlyFans. I'll yes. send the link yes. afterwards. <laughs> uh, just look in the look in the bar. We'll make sure we get that added for future yeah. shows. Um, there's been a lot going on in football this week, uh, and. Before we even get to West Ham, I think there's a fair few things we could touch on outside of the world of Brighton and Albion. Um, one of them will hit real quickly uh, because it's been kind of developing over the last two or three days. And it could be a pretty monumental move for the Premier League uh, and the competition in the Premier League. Mo Salah to Saudi Arabia has emerged over the last couple of days. And it's worth talking about because that would be by far the biggest move from the Premier League. Uh, and would also absolutely ruin Liverpool's chances of becoming a competitive team to challenge City this year, I would feel. Do you think that would happen? Do you think this is going to take place? Anyone? My money <laughs> yeah. is on yes. My yeah. money is on yes. It makes too much sense. Um, it's a, It would be a record fee for the Saudi league incoming. So bust the Neymar one, which was, what, 90 million euro or something? Um he just signed that new Liverpool contract for a lot of money. And I think he's at a point now where in an ideal world, you probably wouldn't have signed it. I just, I just don't think Liverpool could have saved face by letting him just play out the contract. So they had to renew it, but I don't imagine the terms of what they ideally want from a financial standpoint. So in some ways this might come along and be like a, Oh, this is fortunate for us. And then for the Saudi lead that they get their, um, well, a, a player that is from a nearby region, uh, a, a, a Muslim representation that they can have for the league. Um, and suddenly you turn around and you look and you've got, I don't know, the Premier League turns into a feeder club for the Saudi League at this point. But I think it, I think it works. I think Liverpool would be fortunate to do that. And I think Saudi Arabia is a good move for the Saudi League too. I think they'd be fine without him. Yeah, they're good with 10 men anyway. Yeah, yeah, as well. They can just get rid of him and not play another player. Yeah, uh, if this week has anything well, to agree, go by. Um, I agree with Adam. I mean, what is the early thirties? What is he 30, 31? Yeah, thirty-one now. Yeah, if they come, I mean, they're going to have to come along with what one hundred and fifty million quid, something like that. That sort of region. If you get offered that, 
I mean, you're going to take it, aren't you, all day long, regardless of who it is. But I think they'd be fine without him with the players they've got coming back. Jota looks pretty good. Um, you know, at the weekend, Nunes is looking is looking good. They've got the new uh, Hungarian guy whose name I'm not going to... Soboslai. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I think I think they'd be fine. I think it will happen. I think Adam's absolutely right to have a, a kind of Muslim Muslim player going there. Look, there was an interview with Koulibaly who went out there and he said one of the biggest... He said, I'm not being... I'm not going to lie, money was a big motivating factor. But he said the other factor was obviously was actually moving to a Muslim country, being closer to Mecca and all of that. So I actually think it it underestimate how much of a pull it will be for Muslim players to go yeah. to play in a big league. Well, what is going to become a big league with big money, you know, in a region and a country that is predominantly based around their religion? Why wouldn't you go? Yeah, I mean, Koulibaly also said that he's, like, I think the money that he's got just on signing on for is like building like a whole clinic in his village and stuff. Like he's just basically like modernizing the village he was born in, in like, just put it on fast forward. Like yeah. it's incredible the amount of money these guys can put into it. Um, last thing on the Saudi league, hopefully the last thing. I hope we're not talking about the Saudi league it next won't week be. with uh, Mitoma off there or something. But, uh, <laughs> In terms of this transfer window, yeah, well, that's not so bad. Um, Please. uh, Their transfer window deadline ends a week after the English one. If they want to enter the Champions and the European one in general, right? Like, if they want to enter the Champions League, which it looks like they're doing, and they want to become this big league in in Europe and kind of in in the sphere of European football, they're going to have to get that in line. Don't you think, Craig? Like, I feel like they're going to... I wouldn't be surprised if most teams just tell them to go stuff themselves after the window's closed. Even if they don't, right? I think it's turning out to be a bigger problem than probably people realised, right? When when this first Saudi stuff started and it was like, right, we'll just throw loads of money at this. I, did, I don't think people would have expected the Salahs and the Neymars of the world to to go. Um, you know, you're kind of expecting a, an MLS version too, kind of. Um, but... No, it's a real problem. But I think in in that respect, if they are going to start competing with European teams and be in those competitions or at least compete alongside them, um, that that needs to fall in line, right? You need to follow the same sort of guidelines. Um, I think it could cause a problem this year. I reckon you've got a few people, you know, you're dropped for three or four games. All of a sudden, you're not playing well. The season isn't going as expected six or seven games in. Um, I'd be half inclined to to try and get a money move as well. So it, it can be a big problem. But the, the, doesn't La Liga also have a staggered transfer window compared to the Premier League? Like, I, I feel like this is, uh, and that's never been a. I think like they're only a, a day or two. or two though now. Is it? I think they've. I think they've all come in line. Yeah, I think but a lot of the European teams have. Not that long ago though, I feel like especially like the Turkish league, a bunch of other. There's there's always been a there's been a gap and there's always been complaints about that and then a hesitation from clubs to be like, oh, we don't want a bit of addition where we sell a player and we're unable to rep- bring in a replacement. But I get like, there'll be Saudi teams in the Champions League. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind because what 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 are the governing bodies motivated by? Money and what are the Saudis? <laughs> like it's just of course it's going to happen. How does it's, it? It's a, it's a money how's it going to work with so, yeah. financial fair play? Do we reckon uh, they take that quite seriously? Like being serious, like that that competition takes financial fair play quite seriously. So if you're a Saudi team and you're going to enter, you know, the Champions League, it's more difficult just to be like, 
we've just got loads of money and it's like well where you know like it's it's a lot more difficult just to throw money at it so i don't know whether their their aim is that they're just going to basically front load their teams now with loads of unbelievable superstars and then what they're going to have to do if they want to get into the champions league is they're going to have to tailor it off slightly to actually make it stack up revenue wise they're just going to do what man city did I think yeah, it's probably basically. similar to what Steven's saying in the chat as well. They are they are essentially pulling a top bowling but as an entire nation state, right? Like they are probably doing exactly what you just said. They're front loading everything so that when they get in, like these things have already started to amortize and it's not a problem. He's trying to do the same thing where he's signing these players up for all this money now because in a year's time when he when he hopes that they qualify for the Champions League. The horse has bolted. They're not. It's not going to be as much of a problem. He's got half of his team nailed down to twenty-five year contracts. Like it's sorted, right? Like I think that's his hope anyway. Um, another topic of conversation, which is a much bigger one for really the entire integrity of English football, uh, is Mike Dean, ever the star of the show. Um, absolutely cannot stand not refereeing week in and week out. So. He's obviously having to go on to every outlet possible to be the centre of attention. Um, and he has admitted on Simon Jordan's podcast uh, that they essentially decide whether they want to call VAR calls based on whether they're mates with the other referee, uh, whether they fancy making it a dramatic decision. Uh, he, said to, uh, he said to Anthony Taylor afterwards in a Chelsea Tottenham game, uh, I just didn't want this as a quote. I just didn't want to send you to the screen after what has gone on in the game. Uh, I didn't want to send him up because he is a mate as well as a referee. And I think I didn't want to send him up because I didn't want any more grief for him than he's already had. Uh, he's also said that he doesn't want to go too far uh, in terms of making changes to, to VAR. Um, and PGMOL have come out and said that he's essentially lying through his teeth. Uh, this definitely doesn't happen. Um, it's all about making sure that we're rectifying the clear and obvious errors. Um, and this has absolutely never happened. We strongly refute any suggestion that VAR does never intervene for whatever reason uh, when they've identified a clear and obvious error. Um, pretty uh, mind-blowing stuff here from Mike Dean. Um, Craig, what's your opinion on this? Because it's uh, it feels like some people are just waving it. It feels like we've become so apathetic to this because it's so constant. And then other people are just mind blown in the way that I am, that this has come out and no one seems to be reacting as heavily as I thought they would. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I agree with you completely. I think it's, it's mind numbing, isn't it? That you, uh, yeah. Mike Dean's just going to Mike Dean, isn't he? And like, that's, that's what he's doing here. But if you really lay out the ramifications and, and what's actually happening there and that knowing that this being an isolated case that one person has spoken about is absolutely not the case, is it? it this has happened much more than this one isolated incident that, that Mike Dean has decided to talk about. So it's sort of how deep does that go? Is that every game that you just don't fancy doing your job right? And actually, I'm just going to protect my friend in not doing his job knowing full well he gets very handsomely compensated for it like what what is what is the point um uh, of even having and yeah i i'm as baffled as you are as as many people are um i also agree with you to an extent that we've just become sort of apathetic or numb to it because it happens so often because it's so normal now um 
or sort of expected at this point. I just don't think we should settle for it. I think just a, a lot of people are saying that's just that, that's how that's how it is now, um, and sort of becoming a little bit apathetic to it. And we shouldn't. It should be rightly called out, and it needs to be addressed. What, Robin? What What do you think should be taken from this approach? Right, like I think the worst possible approach you could take to something like this coming out is uh, a pretty kind of dictatorial approach of it didn't happen. Shut up. You're lying. Uh, which is inevitably what PGMO have decided to go with. Uh, because why? I mean, that's, what's what's the approach here? I mean, one, they can't, they can't just be like, well, he's come out and said it. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a really bizarre statement for both people to make. I mean, there's three, there's three pretty easy fixes for this one you don't have referees from the standard refereeing pool as var you train a specific group of people to do it that's pretty pretty easy to do people that know the technology you teach them the rules if they're not football fans but they don't have to be from that same pool that would be number one number two you let fans and broadcasters hear the conversation that's going on between the ref and the var as you hear in basically every other sport that has some kind of video intervention, rugby, cricket, you hear the you hear the back and forth, why they're coming to that decision, et cetera, et cetera. And three, you do what they've just started to do in France, which is the referee comes out after the game and is interviewed and has to explain why he made certain decisions at certain points. You do those three, and it's pretty difficult to hide away from what's going on. I mean, particularly if you're hearing the conversation between the two officials, it's pretty difficult, non impossible to cover up. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's pretty difficult to not come to the vaguely correct decision if you're hearing, you know, if it's, if it's being heard out loud. So those three things, which don't really cost much money or take much effort to do, would make a dramatic improvement overnight, in my, in my view. Adam, do you see any of those things taking place? Uh, probably not. I, I, <laughs> I come out in solidarity for Mike Dean. I think he's great. I'm going to, I agree with what he did. I'm actually going to go to my local church and go on hunger strike um, to come out and support them. Uh, if you haven't, aren't familiar with that reference, go, go, go look into the, uh, what the, the mother of the is it the mother of the, the mother, Spanish yeah. The mother, yeah. football federation is doing? <laughs> um, that's another one. Let's not talk about that. Uh, we're not we're not touching on that. Today. Not going that's on that. Just yeah, yeah. too far. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, it, there's the problem is everyone's stupid. So you even had yesterday where uh, seemingly there was a good swathe of people that thought that Van Dyke's challenge wasn't a red card. And maybe you guys are some of them, but I'm going to classify everyone that thought it wasn't a red card as stupid because it was the most clear and obvious red card I think I've seen in recent history. Van Dyke should be banned for additional games because of the way he like behaved with the referee as well. He's incredibly like abusive. He was up in his face. He was swearing at him. Uh, and people were like, even non-Liverpool, like, oh no, it shouldn't have been said. He was the last man. And like, 
beside the point, like there's just so many stupid, baffling decisions. But the problem is, while we've got people that either have outside influences, they're mates with people, they're compensating in a certain way, they've got reputations to upheld, whatever it is, there's some kind of level of bias. It's all dumb. For me, the more that we can ultimately sort of like computerize and people won't like this, I think the better. Because tell you, no, no one complains about anymore in tennis is that thing that, what's this, the thing called? Eagle okay. eye? Hawkeye, oh, some bird eye. Um, <laughs> no one complains about that anymore. When that first came in, it was like up, uproar. Let's get a human to. Well, of course, it's way more accurate. Uh, but right now, there's no fail safe. The fail safe to a stupid referee is another stupid referee in a room. Uh, it just doesn't work. Well, I mean, right. you can go further, right? And goal line technology, when it first came in, was like, how do we know it's going to be reliable? It's yeah. like, because it's in the ball, like, is it going to be like, like, there was all sorts of, how do you make sure it's turned on? The simple thing is, is if you're Aston Villa, you don't turn it on and then you stay up. Like, <laughs> they would have probably given a goal of... against that shot against Allison yesterday if we didn't have yeah. goal technology, because I, I thought it was in. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, and everybody safe. at the time was fuming at the time, like, linesmen are going to be defunct and like, now they basically are, to be fair, after VAR, but like, they are, now everybody just immediately looks to the referee to see what his watch says and says, cool, like one way or another, like yes or no. Like no one questions goal line technology mm. anymore, as long as it's on. Like yeah. I feel like that's something that is really like the proof's in the pudding, right? Like we've seen it. We know it's working. We've been given proof now. Like there's no reason to doubt it. We're happy with it. Um, Do you think yeah. that like – uh, the, I think the main thing that comes down as well is how the interpretation of the rules seems to depend on a level of um, subjectivity versus objectivity. And that seems to be the main problem, especially when you get into this weird area. And I hate this thing that they talk about where it's like, well, we won't change it unless unless the referee made a clear and obvious. No, if it's wrong, just change it. Why are you trying to like, if it was wrong, call it, like, modify the decision. That- You're right. The biggest thing that I've, I've always felt since the beginning, and I've probably bored Josh to death with this at some point previously, so apologies, Josh, for her. The biggest thing you've hit on to, Adam, which is what I totally agree with, is the subjectivity of it. So I'll give a specific example is shirt pulls, right? You'll get some referees who will always give that, or more often than not, will give those shirt pulls as a penalty. And I know a few seasons ago we went through like a, there was a spate of them being given in a certain run of the season, but you'll get some referees who will give that if they see an obvious shirt pull they'll give it and you'll get other referees who can basically have an attack have his shirt pulled off his back by a center half and they won't give it so then if you're then having that it then depends who's on the var then so if you've got if that decision is being looked at if it depends on that referee's personal opinion yeah doesn't make it's not necessarily a right or wrong decision so yeah, that's the bit I've always struggled with, which is basically, as you've said, our failsafe for one, for a referee not seeing something is falling back to another referee's opinion of the same decision. So you're right, Josh. I mean, I think what you'd go back to is, God, I think no one would have a real issue if you said, right, we're just going to have goal line technology because that's in the watch and we're going to have, you know, semi-automated or automated offsides because everything else is subjective everything around penalties and to an extent red cards as well actually anything around penalties and red cards is deeply subjective was this just a big setup to talk about how we got 
screwed over with the penalty decision and, and that's <laughs> what I was building up is this what this it's gonna, was it's gonna, it's gonna end on that because i mean that's an interesting one you're right because the shoulder barge if we're talking about Esther opinions one the shoulder barge is something that you know like kind of tackles that if you went back 10 or 15 years ago wouldn't be a yellow card that these days were straight red shoulder barge is something which has become um it's become refereed in a different way compared to how it was 10 or 15 years ago it was that decision that was given or not given. That was a decision from 10 or 15 years ago, not a decision how it was how it's normally refereed now. So that's a perfect example of you'd get one. I mean, they even said on the commentary, whoever I think whoever was co-commentating on Sky Sports said that is a, that is a challenge that you've seen given quite a lot was basically what, you know, that was the, the comment. And that, that sentence sums it up. A decision that you've seen given quite a lot. It's like, well, Surely, it, it, like it should be given a hundred percent of the time, or not, or zero percent of the time. That, in a sense, that is the microcosm of subjectivity, and that's why it's a nonsense to have that. Thank you for transitioning us on to Brighton and Albi after twenty minutes. <laughs> oh, what is, uh, is this? A so, Brighton pod? Yeah, yeah. Funnily enough, uh, we are still here to talk about Brighton and Albi, and so let's do it. Uh, we've been putting this off really, haven't we? Let's be fair for 20 minutes because uh, it was basically Everton light uh, from last year. Uh, so it wasn't the best time in the world. Let's talk starting 11 um, because I have a question immediately uh, to, to ask about this one. Two changes to the lineup. Uh, obviously, um, and CISO is out hurt uh, now up until Christmas, which is something I was going to touch on earlier, but we've like just gone way off kilter with, uh, lots of different conversations, so we'll talk about him later. Um, but Ferguson in the side uh, at long last, in my opinion. I've been hoping we'd be starting Evan Ferguson for a while. Um, he starts, and the interesting one here uh, is Verbruggen in. Bart starts uh, Jason Steele to the bench after two 4-1 wins in a row. Uh, Jason Steele is dropped to the bench now, Deserbi has said very clearly that he wanted to operate uh, very much like a 50-50 goalkeeper role here. Um, I think we all assume that meant all cup competitions would be one person's, all Premier League would be the other. And if and when he decided to swap that, that would be fair enough. Craig, how are you feeling about the idea that actually it's just going to be whenever he fancies playing each goalkeeper um, out of win? Uh, yeah, I don't know. They, if there's method behind the madness, then sure, I'll be convinced. But if it's just a coin toss for for, for each game, then it's it's kind of it's kind of funny. But I don't know. They, they, I'm sure we'll be able to spot a pattern at some point as to you know what kind of teams we're playing against or or however. Um, but we're three games in. I have no idea. Um, but we have two competent goalkeepers that we can choose from um and that that makes me happy regardless if you if you were switching one with what is clearly a backup goalkeeper then then i'd feel less inclined to say that but i, I feel like we have two solid options i'm not really too fast who plays at the moment um until i have a reason to say otherwise so uh it was good to see him get a start he obviously didn't have the best day um but it, yeah he, he's there and he looks calm yeah it was it was an interesting one um and let's get straight down to the the horrible part of the show um, because the stats look great. Uh, 25 shots, uh, 10 on target, 
Um, 78% possession, 89% pass accuracy, uh, 17 corners uh, to their four. We basically, if you look at the numbers, which is what we've said a bunch of times, that we are like the worst team in the world for these high tests uh, slash slats because we just don't match them a lot of the time. Under Potter and now again under under Deserby, we're struggling sometimes. Um, we look like a team that should have put eight past them, um, and yet we were beaten 3-1. Let's talk about where all four, three of those goals came from, uh, and that is our right-hand side um, with James Milner at right back for his third game in a row and Adam Webster. Um, Olive Footy on Twitter made a very interesting thread. We are Brighton highlighted it um, and talked about what they view as Brighton's Achilles heel. Uh, and that's our rest defense. Um, so anything these matches have in common, uh, they list a bunch of losses, West Ham, City, Everton, Forest, Spurs, uh, the draw against Brentford, um, City, of course, it, a couple of times last year as well. Um, all of those matches, uh, they believe have one common denominator, and that is that Brighton face a tall and or strong striker. Uh, something we have talked about ad nauseum, uh, mainly around Mitrovic and Ivan Tony. Uh, they also obviously list a couple of others as well. Harry Kane, Erling Haaland, Calvert-Lewin, uh, I, I, I don't know, the Forest striker, uh, Antonio, of course, uh, and Bamford. In those 11 matches against Brighton, these eight strikers combined together for a total of 10 goals and four assists. Uh, rest defence refers to the attacking team set up for smooth counter-pressing in defence after losing the ball. Uh, a strong resting defence structure enables instant pressure on opponents upon regaining possession reflecting efficient attacking and preparedness for turnovers so essentially they are in good natural resting positions uh, as and when the attacking team get a hold of the ball uh, to then counter that stop them at the at the the base of it really or uh, transition backwards and defend well on the counter attack um an attacker with notable physical strength has the ability to outmuscle a vulnerable rest defense by leveraging his body to protect the ball, fend off defenders, and establish room for himself or his teammates to achieve goal scoring opportunities. Uh, they've got some really good information on here. I highly recommend looking at it uh, because it's pretty damning um, just how exposed we are uh, on that rest defense um, and just how much it's going to hurt losing Caicedo as to how important he was at helping us transition that rest defense. We have no out and out right back. Uh, James Milner is stepping in. Uh, James Milner and Adam Webster this week. Uh, and we have talked about Esther Pinion being left wide open in these situations at times, by the way, as well. Uh, and his stats are not the most beautiful to read um, when we're, when you're looking at that thread. Uh, but Milner and Webster especially, it's some really, really scary numbers and reading uh, as to how unprepared they are as a duo. Um, and they have been torn apart yesterday or the day before. Adam, you were talking about a monologue on our right side of defence. Um, so I'll let you lead off from here. Um, but how much of a concern is this going to be? as we move forward with four and a half days left of the transfer window, uh, knowing that we play Newcastle United next uh, and Manchester United after that. Um, how vital is a new right back to this team? Um, and at what point do we believe Adam Webster has passed what we 
definitely saw his best at one point. Yeah, Webster's been like this for a while, hasn't he? Where he's had because I think it was it was either the last game or the game before where maybe he didn't start all of them, but I was impressed with him. I thought it was really solid. Um, maybe it was the game against Wolves. Someone correct me there if he even didn't play. But um, then he has a stinker. And I know everything you said there about whatever that Twitter account called it, rest defense, all that kind of stuff. Sure, that's probably all right. But we lost yesterday because we couldn't bloody create chances properly and because Adam Webster was terrible and James Milner can't run. So, yeah, all said and done, that's why we lost. Um, you know, when you look at all the, what was our possession for yesterday? You probably got this in front of you. Something I've seen, right? Not yesterday. Whatever we played. Yeah, 78%. 78%. Yeah, West Ham's XG was three and ours was 1.5. Uh, th- this was quintessential potable. Uh, and really, I, I, it was Deserby for me in this one, completely read it wrong to begin with. I don't mind about the who you put in the positions for Bruggen. What, he wasn't a fault for any of that stuff. Like It, it didn't matter. Again, I feel bad for him. The poor guy, every time, time he seems to be thrown onto something, he gets screwed over by bad defending for us. Um, it was the same in one of the preseason games that he played in. Um and I also deserve seemed to leave changes quite late as well. When you can see it wasn't happening, it wasn't working. Webster and Milner do not make a speedy pairing. Um, I don't think I need to, I'm not, that's not shocking for anyone to hear, but I don't understand how I know he's new, but how bad is Igor if he can't play? Like if, if I'm watching Webster yesterday, I just get rid of it, take him off. I want him off after the first like couple of hiccups. Bring Igor on, move Dunk to the right side and play Igor as left centre-back. I've got no worries about Dunk being on the right centre-back side, obviously. And he may, he can make up for the deficiencies in Milner's game. Um, I also never want to see Milner at right back again. I know he's not the ultimate solution here, but Veltman's not bad at right back. Milner is bad at right back. He leaves too much space in behind. And I think tactically... There's, um, I don't know if you guys follow Premier League panel. There's some on Twitter, Premier League panel, basically looked at some sort of breakouts from how we played West Ham this game compared to last season. And basically what we did this time around was went really narrow and tight with our fullbacks. So Estupinian and Milner would come inside. And as you kind of hinted at, we would then leave these gaps out wide. Um, whereas last season... They stayed out of the side and then we brought another player slightly deeper and the link-up play was a lot easier for us. And we were, we were able to keep, uh, create chances. All that Moyes had to tell his team to do here was, okay, well, wait for wait for these guys to track inside from a wing-back standpoint. Then there's these massive gaps. And you saw that with the first goal. Ward-Prowse just shanked the ball. It wasn't some like, oh my God, James Ward-Prowse is the next coming. He basically just like hit a ball with the outside of his foot that he was just planning to hit into space. Webster just like can't play football. And then uh, with the left, it was just Mikel Antonio who just danced around the defenders and then we couldn't like block the ball. Um, This wasn't like, it was no tactical masterclass from Moyes. It was get everyone behind the ball and kick the ball into space. And it worked over and over again. We just couldn't create any chances. So I know, I will shut up, but I know that Milner and Webster are the main problem here. They're the ones that are going to get all the abuse. But, I tell you what, I never want to see again. 
I don't want to see Welbeck and Ferguson in the same starting eleven again um, because the creativity properly isn't there. Um, we we Matoma we left on an island as well because of how narrow we went with the fullbacks. So the West Ham right back could just sit back. March had to also come deep because he knows he has to make up for Milner. It was just it was just a really really bad day all around. Yeah, not ideal. Um, and of course, James Watt Prowse scores uh, because why wouldn't he? Um, but what do you what do we make of the uh, the penalty calls in general? Do you think do you think they were Robin? Do you th- I know you talked about it a little bit before of like <laughs> the first it was one, subjective calls, but the what first do you think? one isn't the, the handball one's not a penalty for me because he, the way that he's falling, the way the defender's falling, he literally cannot do he cannot move his body out. Like people said, oh, Dunk had one given against him against Luton. That dunk one for me is slightly different because he's not falling to the ground. The way that defender was was the way he was heading for the ground, I can't see what else he can do in that position. So the first one I think was I wouldn't have given it as a penalty. And as I always do in these situations, I think if that was given against us, how would I feel? I go, it's just I'd be fuming, it's not a penalty. The Estepinion one, as I've talked about, I thought that was a pretty nailed on penalty there's a shoulder you know there's a shoulder barge and then there's a shoulder barge and you know that was yeah that was a clear penalty for me just to to build on what Adam said in terms of Ferguson and Welbeck I totally agree I mean when Jao Pedro came on we basically that was when we suddenly looked like okay we might actually have a chance here and you know were it not for the West Ham keeper we could have we could have come out with a 3-3 draw there he was he was immense, wasn't he? Ariana. It really was. Um, so yeah, I think that was a useful that was a useful um, sort of another example of yeah we need we need Jao Pedro in from the start, and I'm not just saying that with my fantasy league <laughs> manager's hat on, but yeah, um, I thought we looked pretty dangerous in the last you know the last half an hour, um, probably to an extent because West Ham could you know could sit off slightly, but yeah, I didn't think if you take out the right side. Um, you know, issue that Adam's talked about. I didn't think we were dreadful. The rest of it, um, it was one of those days where, similar to the Everton game, actually, you know, Pickford had a blinder in that one. We lost four one, but actually, that was another game where we could have come out with a four four draw, were it not for Pickford. So, yeah, it's fine. I mean, West Ham are, are very, very good on the counter attack, um, and you know, they they were really clinical and they took their chances. Antonio on his day is you know is one of the most difficult centre forwards to defend against in the Premier League. Bowen's great on the counter attack. Lucas Paqueta when he's, you know, when he's um not getting dubious yellow cards can, you know, can put the ball, you know, on a on a kind of on a pinhead from anywhere. So I thought, you know, they took their chances really well, but I'm not I'm not too disheartened about it because I think it's come at a useful time, which is to show that, you know, we've got whatever it is, five days of the window left. Um, and if you want, if you want a demonstration of why we need a right back, if you were to set something up to go, we need to make, we need to make a point here. Um, you couldn't have set up anything better or worse, depending on how you want to phrase it. Um, you know, to put that in the shop window. So I'm not. Zerbi for DHS. So you saying he set this all up to get some more leverage with <laughs> Barber and Blue? Uh, he's like, put <laughs> no. these idiots out there. Let's. Go. I need a right back. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think say I, I don't. I don't think we actually played. Don't think we played that badly. Um, it's just one of those one of those sort of off days. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I mean, 
Milner is, you know, I think he's got a really important role to play. And I think what we, you know, we all said in the, in the preseason episode is we thought he was going to come on and do a version of the Lalana kind of, you know, finisher role for the last 15, 20 minutes of a game. Um, I don't think any of us saw him being a starter, let alone a starting right back, you know, for the first three games. And I think Adam picked it up, which is his positioning, you know, because, you know, he is, if I look at you, people go, oh, if he's not going to get football at right back, where's he going to play? And you go, well, to me, you go, he is that sort of holding midfielder at this point in his career. And you look at the, his positioning, he naturally drifts in field. You'll see him in that kind of holding midfield role even when he's supposed to be a starting right back. So you're right. He just left so much space behind him because he kept getting caught again and again and again. Um, you know, he he's obviously playing, you know, he, the man, he's, he's doing the job that the manager's telling him to do. Um, and yeah, it's a curious one about Veltman because I've got no concerns about Veltman playing right back whatsoever. I mean, I, we talked about it in one of the episodes, you know, the, the Palace game at the Amex last season, he had Zahara in his pocket for the entire game playing right back. So I've got no concerns. It, it's just, I, I find it curious um, that Milner is consistently being picked ahead of Veltman for a position that we know Veltman is comfortable playing. And got, and got an assistant. Uh, this weekend and you know Adam you talked about yesterday to get some facts or like some ideas around like the Milner stuff because we're anticipating some people would get upset Um, and there's already a bit of ruckus going on in the Arbian atmosphere about people's opinions on players Um, and there's one thing that really stood out to me and I thought it at the time but we were riding on such a high I thought I'm not going to worry about it too much it'll work itself out Um, and now I look back at it in the last three games, goggles, instead of just game one goggles. Milner was caught out consistently against Luton Town. Um, and I didn't realise just how important Van Hecker was at covering him in his mistakes. Um, now I'm thinking back on it, like it was very apparent as to how important Van Hecker was covering his mistakes. And I now sit here and think, oh, I wonder how that game would have gone if Webster started there instead. And then that makes me feel really worried about what that Luton result would have been. Um, and that is a worrying sign in and of itself, I think. Um, Craig, Newcastle United next. Anthony Gordon, who has started his season on an absolute blinder at left wing, by the way. Uh, everyone was kind of laughing at that sign in last year. I think all of us included, to be fair, because he looked dusted like he looked bad uh absolutely started on fire this year he's flying um starting at left w- left wing uh joe linton behind him uh our friend dan burn not at left back uh which is definitely a cause for concern for them newcastle fans are not happy that he's still playing left back for them um but their left side barring their left back uh is going to be a very dangerous combination and has been already this season uh for everyone that played what do you want that back four to look like? Goalkeeper, I think we've established that whoever is in goal, we're quite fine with. Um, but in terms of that back four, with the exception of Estepinian obviously starting on the left, what do you what do you want that to look like against Newcastle that you think gives us the best chance to? But what's our best back four basically? What's the what back four do you have the most faith in right now? Yeah, uh, 
it just it has to include Veltman, really. And I and I think I just want to build on the whole Luton Wolves and the Saturday's game. Right, is that all three of those have been closer than what it says on the scoreline? Every single one, right? Where you said you brought up the Luton one, where that could have been a very different game. Um, you know, you're sort of two one up, squeaky bum time, that sort of stuff. Like it very easily could have changed the Wolves one as well, and. The West Ham game as well, right? You sort of finished some of those chances, 10 shots on target. Ariola did well, whatever, but a lot were straight at him. Could have been a very different result. But the fact remains is that we're still defensively quite fragile. And yeah, I'm, I'm not going to you know sound like a broken record on this on this pod, but Milner hasn't exactly been a shining light. So I want, well, now I need Velman in at right back in order to feel comfortable, right? If Feltman is there, there is less pressure on Webster to do what he needs to do. Uh, we know that Webster is very good at progressive yards. He's very good at passing. He's very good at those sort of very specific areas, but only if you can focus on them. If he's too busy tracking back and he's too busy on the back foot, then he ends up making a mistake like he did on Saturday as well. Um, you know, there's there's errors in his game. And when you've got a, a right center back and a right back, both that can be plagued with errors throughout a game, you will get punished. Um, Webster is, uh, no, Feltman, sorry, is Mr. Consistent for me. Very rarely makes a mistake um, when he's on form. If Feltman starts, I don't care if it's Webster or Van Hecker there. Um, in, but that's my opinion. Obviously, people will feel very different. Um, but that that's it for me. And I, I also like Adam's idea of switching dunk to right centre-back as well to, to cover whoever is going to be at that right back since we desperately need that, right? So, so that's where I am. In terms of the best back four, Webster, Van Hecker aside... I, it has to be Veltman Duncan Est opinion for me. No Igor talk. Yeah, I'll have yeah. an Igor. Just because you've not seen him. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I sort of, I, I don't know what he brings or, or what that looks like. So, um, until I yeah. can, until I can watch him and take some serious minutes, then I'm, I'll reserve judgment. You know what was funny? Uh, in the for the third goal, which is horrible to say, isn't it? Uh, they had switched. <laughs> Dunk and Webster had switched. And then and Antonio was coming over on our left-hand side. And just he just absolutely murked Webster back to goal. Just went, duped him out of the way. And then just, I, I will take the blame here because I was in Jamaica at the time of this game. And so, of course, Mikel Antonio was going to score. Um, but yeah, that, <laughs> so uh, the, but uh, he's Jamaican. Uh, the the um, the the funny part though, as well, outside of that, is it's not really humorous. But like as you hinted at earlier, SD opinion was awful. SD opinion was at fault in two slash three of these goals, uh, especially egregious in the second one. If you go and watch it back, um, the first one was a comedy of errors, right? And I don't know where we're intending to go and specifically like go through the goals that were the fine tooth comb, but we talked about that. Webster made the mistake, right? But we had four players in the box that should have marked James Ward Prowse, and none of them could mark him. It was one on one on the wing with Anto once Webster went down. Four players, and James Ward Prowse just was able to just get a clean hit on it. And the second goal is James Ward Prowse against Brighton. It's a case, it's yeah, a it was gonna happen, you can't stop it. <laughs> the, the the second was, uh, I think, our most embarrassing goal by a country mile, which is funny to say, given that Webster fell on his ass um, on the first one. But they, it was just, it was a through ball, and the players were just trotting back, 
there was a lot of people having a go at Billy Gilmore for not sprinting back as fast as he could, but he was marking. I actually don't think he was fully at fault here. Like he was marking the other guy. I can't remember who it was. Estupinian was ball watching the hell out of it. And at the back post, you just had the runner come. It was Bowen, right? Hmm. Um, he completely ignored Bowen. So he joined Gilmore marking the other guy in the middle that the ball was never going to. And, and he's just, Bowen's just sat at the back post horrible defending from him um and yeah the third we've also talked about webster be bad but yeah st opinion was not good today so i as much shade as we want to throw at milner and, and webster um it was purvis was very much at fault but against the system he was pushed up and he wasn't tracking back well enough i think uh i'm gonna go ahead and throw out the controversial opinion after three games of football this year. And Sacked Zerbi towards the end of last year. Yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> um, just his translator, just sack his translator. Let him let him do it all in like Pictionary like tactics. We that. should clip this right, and get we'll some uh, money for Milan. Um, no, so <laughs> so um, after what I've seen and looking at the Premier League these days. And taking into account that commentary on Sky pretty much nailed it of the re-emergence of how important a number nine is becoming. Robin, I don't know if you remember them talking about how important like a number nine has suddenly become again and how big Ferguson can be in the Premier League and a lot of teams relying on them. Um, these three games, to me, has absolutely confirmed that Van Hecker is above Webster in my pecking order now. Like, absolutely. Igor is the guy that's... I don't know what the hell he is. Same as Craig. Like, I fully agree. Until I watch 90 minutes of football, bare minimum, I can't form any opinion on him uh, because preseason, he didn't even do anything, right? Like, so for me, though, like, we are going to be facing either Isak or Wilson next week or yeah. both. And I will feel like a lot better about the guy that kept Erling Haaland in his pocket as opposed to the guy that got thrown to the floor like a child by Erling Haaland earlier in the season because yeah. Wilson Wilson will Wilson is a lot better with his back to goal than Antonio is on his day and mm-hmm. Webster will get bodied badly like to me like I would be starting Van Hecker next week uh, like unless Deserby wants to go for Igor if he wants to go for Igor sound like who knows uh, like who cares like that's he, like we don't know who the hell he is or what he's going to do but for me like on that depth chart these days like if we're talking about that centre back depth chart like he's Van Hecker is well and above Webster these days. He's yeah. too injury prone. He's too inconsistent. He's too old compared to what we've got going on now. I, like to me, like I know it's a controversial take, but like for me, it's like, not Webster's. I don't think it is. I mean, I've I've got to go. I've got to go in a minute, so I'm going to leave you on the um, on sort of agreeing with your bombshell. I mean, I've said for a very long time since early days of Deserby actually that Webster is probably the only player in the squad who actually looked better in Potter's system than he does in Deserbi's. I think you said that last week as well, didn't you? Virtually every, probably it sounds, if it sounds like my level of intelligent insight. So yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, he, he is virtually every other player Deserbi has improved. Um, but yeah, Webster is just, I think he's, he's not what we need in the Deserbi system so I, I i'm agree with you I'll, I'll have van hecker next week without a doubt having said that his perform his performance at newcastle away last season i know no one had a particularly stellar game um in that one that was a little bit of a concern um but we'll have to see 
But yeah, it was I've also a, a bit of a I'll disaster. Leave you, I'll leave you team, on that. To be fair. Yeah, um, and we're going to get on to the optimistic stuff now, um, which I'm sure Robin will be delighted to have missed. Uh, so let's we've we've talked about the three goals that nauseam. We've talked about what that back line looks like. Adam is furiously gesturing. He wants. Well, to I know on. that. I think Craig had something to say. I've still got more negativity. Um, I've, no, I've got, I, I've got to, I wanted no I more for you, just, Adam. I wanted to. Well, I'm going to back up Adam's one and, and loophole this. And Ferguson and Ferguson and Welbeck are way too similar to play together, and it doesn't work. I, I did. I think I completely agree with you on that. I think from an attacking perspective, Adam got it spot on. Uh, I want Ferguson or Welbeck starting, and I want Jao Pedro or Inciso at a ten. Right? And and that that needs to, happen no to, to make so, yeah. it, to make it fluid, right? And and that's that was again for the the lineups was why isn't Jao Pedro playing? Right, it just immediately was like, well, if Inciso is not going to be at the ten, it has to be Jao Pedro, right? And that was something that was a little bit missing. Um, last bit, completely, completely agree. At half time, should have made changes. Everyone can mm. see it night, like clear as day. Don't know why we waited. Two more goals go in, and then we change something. Um, that that was poor. Um, but hindsight's a wonderful thing. I can sit on a podcast and I can criticize world class managers <laughs> all that I want. Um, but I, I really did think Jao Pedro on at half time, we probably probably get a result, right? Uh, it's I yeah good chance yeah. This isn't negative, by the way, but I I, I don't agree with the Van Hecker thing. It's, we're we're one two podcasts away from basically saying I don't know if Van Hecker's up to this level. I was, and now we're like one bad yeah. game from Webster. We're like, oh, yeah, bring Van Ecker back. You see, I'll save you. I don't think either of them the answer. I well, no, I don't think they are either, yeah. to be fair. You imagine, how sh- you imagine our surprise or just borderline shock when he signed a new two-year deal. And <laughs> and now we're sort of three game weeks in going, yeah, get him in it, get him in it. Uh, yeah, please. Right. No, no, we always said he was amazing. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> uh, I, like you said, we don't know who Igor is, but um, I don't know. There's not enough utterings and stuff under the surface at the moment. We, it seems like Belieber, at time of recording, Belieber is coming in as as a, his medical is supposedly tomorrow, so Tuesday the 29th. So that'll be a, 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 the Caicedo replacement in quotation marks. But I've not really heard much in the last few days on a right back, and I've I, I wouldn't be shocked if there was some more centre back movement unless. You bring it a right back, it frees up the ability to, let's not forget, play Veltman at centre-back, which is actually his position. Um, yep. So that's it. That's another one. You've got options as well. Yeah, I mean, if you're offering me Van Hecker, Webster or Veltman at centre-half next to Duncan picking Veltman a hundred times out of the hundred in any game, by yeah. the way. Like, I'm, I'm stating the Van Hecker, Webster opinion with the prerequisite that I am assuming Veltman will be right back because like you Craig like that's the guy that we need to be starting there um let's let's talk positivity um and this feels like feels like a bit wind up given everything that's going on with like drama on Twitter at the minute but let's take a moment to hail Pascal Gross becoming our leading Premier League goal scorer assisted by Joel Veltman by the way uh, almost as soon as he came on. Um, I've never seen a man hit a ball low and what looks to be quite timidly and score so many goals, by the way, as Pascal Gross. He does it all the time. Like he just like he threads this needle through the defense, low, like driven, and it doesn't even look like it's going very fast. 
but like the keeper has no chance. The defenders can't stop it because it's like it's. Just, I don't know how he does it. Um, he played at central midfield. He's played in centre mid every every game this season. Uh, according to who scored, um, he was our man of the match by a massive distance. Um, maybe because he was the guy that basically dominated every single stat line with more key passes, shots, shots on target, like 140 odd touches. Like the guy was just like the guy uh, in terms of our attacking outlet. Um, he's now our top Premier League goal scorer. At what point, like, do we just like thank this dude for being like what, like three million pounds? Like, just. I just think we need to take a little bit of time to just wax lyrical about the contribution Pascal Gross has given us in the past, what, five Premier League seasons now? Uh, three different managers, three totally different styles of play. Like, I just can't think of many players in any of a team in the Premier League that seems to be able to transition to any system and be as effective as this guy, wherever you ask him to play. Um, and I just think he deserves every piece of credit you could give him. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I think he just brings so much, doesn't he? Obviously, his football IQ, um, like it, it, even sort of the gross turns, threading the needle with like the shots that he takes, like just how important he is to this team. And I, he's just been so consistent as well in contributing and, and being able to play where he needed to play and still doing an effective job. Um, yeah, he's, it's just, he's such a good player. He really is. And, I would I would call him our clutch player uh, for for I guess more more American sports than anything else. Right? Is if I if I could count on one player to come up with the goods in a very high pressure situation, Gross is at the top. Right? You, if we need a goal, um, if we need something, if we need a, one good ball in, or we need one surefire sort of uh, bit of skill or bit of luck or whatever he creates it and and he's he's the guy that that makes things happen when it isn't going our way right you're three nil down of course it's gross that takes the ball and just drives it into the bottom corner just to get us up and running again um he's that guy um and yeah it's also criminal that he has not ever had a germany call up i just i don't understand it whatsoever he's behind kevin de bruyne in chance created he's like in the entire Premier League for the entire time that he's been playing in the Premier League, it doesn't make sense to me. But uh, but yeah, uh, wonderful player. He had about he tried that shot four times before he scored it as well. By the way, like <laughs> he, that way, and he came quite again. Ariola was really 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 good. Um, but he had a, he had a few bangs at that. Um, yeah, I, I really liked his comment after the game as well, where someone asked him about. The record. He was like, oh, "I'm not thinking about that right now. We we weren't good enough, uh, and I'm more more frustrated about that. I'm I'm ad libbing that, but it's something to that effect. And I think that just shows his character. Uh, yeah, he is he is the clutch player. Unfortunately, yesterday Deservey was driving an automatic. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, we are cutting that. Yeah, well, no, no, okay, no, but that one we keep it. Not in. <laughs> yeah, that's got to stay. <laughs> outrageous uh steven in the chat said that gross is brighton's beckham um initially i was outraged at that choice of comparison and then i thought about it for a couple of seconds while you guys were talking and i thought it's not as mental as it seems really uh 
Beckham couldn't pull off a turn without breaking his ankles like that. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, when I think about it, he's he's honestly not as far off as I felt like he was on my initial reaction. So fair play, Stephen. It's actually a half-decent call um, because of what he offers. Yeah, I can see it. Um, James as well in the chat, not overly concerned, uh, to be honest, I assume, with the West Ham game in general. Um, He just has that faith that the fact that our attackers will exploit their mistakes as much as we will exploit ours. Um, and uh, James believes that Belieber, he's not a believer in Belieber. He thinks that he might need a loan out to get him up to speed. Heathen. He's not a believer. He's not a believer. What a take, James. It's not What's a bad it? take, though. It's not like his kids. I mean, he's 20 years old. old. He's 20 years old and has made, what, 20 appearances for Lil so far? Um, so I understand the take, but this surely this is the guy that we are signing with the intention of being our next Caicedo immediately, right? I don't, I don't think you're spending twenty five million pounds to loan him out, right? I think that's pretty. I, I think he'll he'll bed in. Do you know what I mean? I he's not going to come in and go right starting eleven and you know, act like a prime Caicedo, right? He's, he is going to need time. He's like you said, he's, he's young. He's coming from, you know, the French league one and it, he will take time. Um, but that's, that's it, right? He, he needs, he needs time to adapt the same with Igor, the same with other, some of these other new signings, you know, you have to be careful with them. They're still young people, right? You're still 20, 21 years old coming into the best league in the world or the most competitive league in the world, whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, it is going to take time. So, uh, but we know that. I, I don't think anyone's going to be shell shocked if he makes a couple of mistakes in, in those few games. It's just who do we put alongside him so that those mistakes are at a minimum? Uh, and I think that's where I would be looking. But it's exciting. You, you get someone someone in of, I guess, that's highly regarded, I guess. And, and sort of, I mean, I'm going off a YouTube highlight reel at this point, but I, I think it's, it's promising to an effect that we are linked with this person for a, for a very long time. And it seems that we've actually got it over the line this time, um, which is promising. Yeah. It sounds like from James in the chat as well, like I, I've not even watched a YouTube clip on him. Uh, he said he looks great, but a wee bit messy once he gets the ball. Um, if that doesn't, if, if they clone S- Suma? S-Y or S-I? Because no, if it's just the, the first y. messy, no, I'd be I. very happy. Uh, yeah, not that much. Um, like, that is exactly what I think everybody's takeaway was when Bissouma arrived. He looked really great winning the ball and then recycling the ball, not so much. His first touch was a little bit dodgy. He just felt a little bit messy once he won the ball. Uh, and like, have they just cloned him from someone? Like, that's a bit odd. Uh, it's a really weird take to have considering like we literally signed Bissouma from Lille as well. Um, Who's now, yeah. by the way, basically the best defensive midfielder on current form in the Premier League. Unbelievable. And I'm so happy to see it for him. So happy. Who, who would have known, like, putting a competently, like, manager that doesn't hate football, like, into a football team, like, would actually enable a player to look decent? I do hope this starts to encourage other teams around the Premier League to hire managers that are out of the cookie cutter style template um, and actually bring in people with novel ideas like the Zerbies, like Ange Postacoglu and, and others around the league, as opposed to recycling crap. I think Man U is like a really good, and I love that they keep making the same mistakes, but 
I think this, everyone now looks and you're like, you've seen in three games of Spurs playing under Ange Postacoglu, you've seen more positivity and more perspective change around a club, um, both from a sort of a persona and tactical standpoint that you've seen under the amount of time Ten Hag has been at Man U at the helm. And hopefully that 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 acts as something and we stop seeing these sort of Moyes-esque performances of stupid crap football and we actually like play a beautiful game which is what should actually be in- encouraged but i do i do think james point is a good one of course we're, we're not going to loan out a guy we're spending this amount of money on I don't, th- I don't think that was james's point i'm i'm speaking for you here obviously but um yes he, as you as you guys both attested to he's probably going to take maybe some time to get up to speed right he's not going to be a finished product we don't really buy the finished product for the most part my biggest concern is like we've done the amount of money we've spent the Sanchez and the Brigham thing basically comes out in the wash because we fleeced Chelsea, right? Um, and then really all you've actually done is once you've you've got rid of Caicedo and McAllister and you've brought in Jao Pedro, which no arguments there at all so far, and then Igor, who doesn't hasn't had a sort of sniff at game time yet and feels at the moment, maybe this will prove to be absolutely incorrect, but feels like more of a rotational depth signing more than anything else, but maybe he'll be a starter soon. So there's, that's a long way of me saying, I hope our business doesn't end with just Belieber because there's a lot of money sloshing around there that we haven't spent. We're still net at a lot, like a lot. Um, and it'd be nice to bring in more bodies than just like, oh, Belieber, business is done and we'll sign a 17-year-old right back from Boca Juniors and let him stay there until January. Like, I, don't, I, I hope that's not what happens. Yeah, we need options, don't we? Um, I don't think we're anywhere near done, really. Uh, I think we need three more, like Believer included. Like exactly, James in the chat. We've talked about it ad nauseum. We need a freaking right back, like end of like we need that badly. What? What else? What? Obviously, the right backs are given, but what? What are your other two? Believer was one of them, right? Um, and then, and then a fullback at depth, just in general, someone who can play either left or right back comfortably. Um, especially left, like we've got no backup press opinion right now. Like if we do sign that that Argentinian lad from Boca, like I'm actually fine with him staying there till January and like having Est opinion run out until then and then giving him the chance to have a second half of the season where he is rotated out while this kid gets minutes in like games where we don't need Est opinion to play. Slash Tarek Lamptey playing there if necessary because he looked really good before he cropped himself again. Um, at left back, but yeah. we've not even, we're not even mentioned him at right back. Like that's how bad it is. Like what? Like I know they're working on getting him fit, but it's yeah. We need and, and I mean Deserbi has now said he outright wants another attacker because Enciso's. Yeah, yeah. We 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 need angry. one. By the way, we do yeah. need one. Uh, like how much so does your perspective too. change if if Matoma goes down with an injury? How much does your perspective change on what the attack looks like? Because I mean, now yeah, we're in big trouble, aren't we? We're bad. Yes, it's not good. Um, even though if you are excited about a Dingra, um, which I think we all we all are, but yeah, there's once you've got you've got rid of um, who's gone out uh, in, from the attack standpoint because we got rid of Sarmiento. Uh, well, Ayer is more central mid- now, haven't we? Yeah, uh, but again, he was on the verge, right? It's it's I don't know. We need some more depth there as well. Yeah. All right. Man of the match for the weekend. 
What a fun question when we got tanked 3-1. Three, three, uh, I'm going to go first because I'm stealing the easy one. Uh, Pascal Gross is getting my man of the match simply for breaking that goal-scoring record um, and for doing what he always does, single-handedly dragging us towards the finish line, kicking and screaming when we don't play at our best. Um, it didn't work this time. That's okay. Uh, I would love to see him start at that 10 role a couple of times as opposed to Welbeck. I would much rather have had some, I would much rather have had Saturday, for example, Dahoud and Gilmore and Gross in there instead of Welbeck and Ferguson. Um, I think that would have offered a lot more coverage. But again, like Craig said, we can criticize world class managers all we want on a podcast uh, that we don't do that. So, um, yeah, I like for me, he's he's my man of the match and what was really a, I think Adam you talked about it within like the first couple of minutes of even talking about the game a really bad day at the office Craig what you got I'd say we'd be doing him a disservice if we if I didn't go for Gross as well but there's really not a lot of options to be honest um I think the uh, the sort of defunct man of the match is this opinion but we've we've we said he had a bad game. Um, I, I just don't think many people stood out. I think there's there's a special mention for Jao Pedro that you know changed partially the the game as soon as he came on. We just looked a lot better. Um, but yeah, it's it's Pascal Gross. It, I don't think it can be anyone else for me. Uh, Webster for me. Um, <laughs> by the way, I th- Antonio should have scored another goal uh, like seventy something minutes in because he just got the ball. Webster Webster just refused to she's got one man to mark and he just didn't track him and Antonio just like ran in behind and then shot it over if you remember so you know uh it's there's everyone was absolutely reprehensible apart from Pascal Gross reprehensible they were they were awful yes no like, holds barred right here they were, they were, yeah. they were it was it was it was pathetic it was in my opinion i know robin mentioned like i wasn't that bad if you defensive frailty i don't i don't think it was good anywhere i don't think it was good enough anywhere because even without the defensive frailties the deserve system is to score more than you concede and we didn't even really like scoring for most of it, it was just not not much creativity didn't play our game yeah it was but no one deserved it gross was the only shining light James in the chat. Antonio is off to Saudi. I haven't heard that. You guys? No. Uh, you can feel free to. Uh, I, I th- I've heard a rumor of that, but maybe, yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. I think one of the. I think it isn't it Al. Well, of course it's Al something. One of the clubs that's not the the big one, not the f- the top four that is trying to buy him. I think. But yeah. Oh I really? Good for him. I mean, final was- payday. Yeah, that's like a MLS level signing, isn't it? Which is what those other teams are basically at, like in what they can spend. Yeah, um, exactly. More as a put, not in not in level of quality. Those Saudi teams outside of that four are. Steven Gerrard's like soccer at this point. Yeah, backup silly team that's like intended, like designed to come fifth or sixth in the league. Yeah, go yeah, on, mate, have yeah. a go. <laughs> yeah, if they if they don't, their stadium becomes an execution place instead. Um, oh, so we're going to cut that. Uh, no, <laughs> Working with our sponsor, um, <laughs> um, Stephen in the chat. It is odd to think that Deserby still hasn't even had a full season yet. I agree with you on that. To be fair, like it's not even been a calendar year since Deserby arrived at the Albion. Um, there's still a lot of work to be done on his end uh, in terms of what we're playing like. Um, that interview that we talked about a couple of weeks ago was really interesting. That we play most identifiable to his soul, but not his ideas, um, which is really interesting. 
uh, I suspect that as time goes on, those ideas will be uh, enforced. Um, there was quite an interesting statement, and we'll leave on this one, I think. There's so many other things I want to talk about. Um, there's so much stuff going on this week, like the autograph decision that now fans can no Should longer get Should we touch on that? Should we talk about Yeah, let's... Um, because I think that's one of the most boneheaded decisions I've ever seen from the art. Like there are constantly dumb decisions coming out that feel like fan, not customer, customer, not fan, whatever. Um, but you cannot be signing players like Mitoma and reaping the benefits of having 3000 Japanese fans coming into the Amex every weekend. Uh, and then like carrot sticking them with then now saying you can no longer have any opportunity to meet him, even though you will wait patiently and politely for him uh, at the final whistle. It's something that has always happened. Um, and to then change it to kids only is the most bizarre choice I've ever seen in my life. I, to me, I could now. This is just me. I couldn't give a flying monkey's whether I ever got an autograph from a player in my entire life. I don't care if I ever met one. I don't care if I ever got an autograph with one. Would it be cool to like shake Lewis Dunk's hand and be like, "You're great, mate." Yeah, cool, great. That'd be cool. But like, would I care about it if I didn't? No. Like, I wouldn't. I would, it's never crossed my mind that that would be a thing. Are you there just targeting me with a signed jersey, right? The shirt, <laughs> literally in the background, right there. There's a lot of people that do like in the same way that people are train spotters and bird watchers. People take autograph really serious. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm talking. I'm talking Absolute about the autograph collection. Carrot to attack assassination. There are people that have books out there that like just because it isn't my interest, I would be fascinated to read those books that those people put together because they put some work. <laughs> oh boy, um, there has been. Like some of these people have fascinating like books of autographs they've got from people and the stories they can tell from it. And I would listen to those people and look at that book with genuine interest. Would I want to be the person doing it? Absolutely not. But to decide that those people are now never, categorically never going to be able to meet those players in a club sanctioned effort is just so utterly beyond me. Like I cannot just fathom the stupidity that has come from that decision. So that's my thought on it. But what what is I, I'm out of the loop. Obviously, I'm very far away. But what is the genuine reason for this to stop? Is it safety? Is it merch and touting and stuff like that? I've like so they come out of the east end. People wait at the east end. I don't go. I'm either like before when I would come over and visit, or when I'm now living here. Like I mm. like I don't go to the east end. Like I stay in the north end for an hour, have beer. <laughs> wait until the train lines go and then get on the train and go home. Like, right. I don't I don't even travel yeah. around to the east side, but a lot of people, kids and parents especially, go around to the east side and now a lot of Japanese fans will mm-hmm. head over to that east side and wait for the players to come out to get their selfies and their autographs and all this sort of stuff. The club right. has said there's now too many people, so it's not safe. And there's a lot of people who are turning up with 10 shirts, 10 footballs and getting them to right. sign 10 of them and popping them on eBay the next day. Right. Uh, we've seen that, Craig, you especially in pro wrestling, where people are accosting wrestlers at the airport at 5 a.m. off yeah. of a red eye with yeah. 15 programs for the next event. And they're throwing them all on eBay the next day. Like CM Punk did a whole freaking pipe bomb on this nonsense. Like it's a problem that's pervaded athletes around the world for a long time. And like it's 
baffling. And Stephen, I'm not even going to. No, talk about that's why I'm chuckling. No, Stephen's yeah. Stephen's a mutant. Just, just putting. He's absolutely. He's on fire at the okay. minute. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I I can't even that that one's too much. Um, I'm not even gonna air it. You made an assassin assassination joke. (laughs) Yeah, I did. Uh, But that one's just mean. Um, Mean. (laughs) For anybody who wants to know what he said, uh, head over to one hour and eleven minutes on the timestamp and just see him being mean. Um, But yeah, for me, the cynical side of me is that they love doing their auctions when they can to sell off signed merchandise and they take any idea that they may have those items devalued as the bigger problem that's their biggest issue a loss of monetary income and revenue so they're nailing it on the head here why they've arbitrarily decided to make it now kids only and they have to go through like a random lottery is like probably my bigger issue than them making the decision at all because yeah, yeah. there's a lot so, of people that will never get to do that now that would want to so it, it's control isn't it right I, I, that's that's pretty much what it is and i think you can't really and it's, it's what i thought it was right is that people are whacking 50 shirts on ebay and stuff like that and that sort of stuff uh but you can't you can't say photos only please can you so there, there, <laughs> there's like a there's like a zero tolerance isn't there in that respect and yeah, a, a club built on community and being, you know, different or, or sort of all-encompassing. Um, yeah, it, it seems like a backward step, doesn't it? Why can't maybe they? that? Maybe that's why they took community out of community stadium. Books. Yeah, it's gone. <laughs> well, why think... can't they just be like, "Oh, we're still going to do that. Our players will still come out, but we're getting too they much won't crowd." Sign anything. Like, don't yeah, don't. They're not going to sign anything. You can wave. You do all that. You can get a selfie. Like, okay, great. Um, but yeah, I think when you're, uh, when you're a young kid or a virgin like me, it's nice to have, like, be able to interact with the players and like have, have those, but especially when you're a young kid, like that's what they dream of this stuff. They want to, these are their heroes. You can't create, you can't create, uh, celebrities out of players, which is what they are now. And then cut off all access. Uh, that's that defeats it's like it's like going to the so we're not going to do any interviews at the oscars or the golden globes it's all part of it it's all part of the whole thing yes it, it feels a bit selfish one of my favorite childhood memories ever in history is having a picture taken on some sony ericsson phone that is forever lost to the void yeah. with michelle kuipers like <laughs> that's that's michelle kuipers by the way that's not where Imagine. we're at now like and that was like as a kid at like 11 or whatever I was like, I literally buzzing for like four weeks. Like I was the happiest kid ever. Like I, I was just unbelievably happy. Like it, mean, it means a lot. Yeah. Like nowadays, like now don't get me wrong. And before Adam kicks off, would I buy a signed shirt at a reasonable price? Absolutely. Like I'm here for that sort of stuff. Am I going to stand outside the stand in the pissing rain for for like Billy Gilmore to write something on a piece of paper? You literally couldn't pay me money to go and do that doesn't interest me at all yeah but to have them like for me like you've got to if you're going to take it away i think there's that perfect like duo right do it as exactly what you'd sit say we are not signing anything at these when after the game we will not sign anything we'll post the selfies we'll shake your hand we'll say hello but we are not signing a thing and we will put together a random draw where 
20 of you will get drawn to meet the players if you would like to and get autographs and another 20 of you can book it like you know how kids can pay to be mascots like it's all paid these days like oh you have to pay thing. now is that a thing yeah yeah what a like, scam. Those, those japanese fans will pay that in a heartbeat like not even a question like not a question at all like the there's a fella he's in the stateside seagulls jack craig emir like he paid like for a box because he knew there'll be a chance to meet Yahambach. Like that's like he paid for a box to be able to meet it. Like these people will do it. Like, and it seems like we're like cutting our nose off to spite our face because that's a revenue stream as well. Like blows my mind. Well, they um, just want the people to sign up for that thing where they watch the players come out in the weird tube. Or the the like, tunnel club. Yeah, like, like some aquarium. This podcast gonna go on. <laughs> this is gonna go on forever, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it feels like we're just never ending. Um, because yeah. there's something else I was going to bring up as well. I forgot now. What In my defense, I'm, one one quick thing: I, I absolutely wouldn't go and hunt the player. This was when they did that thing in the US, they came up to the stand and were just like, all right, we'll sign some stuff. And that's easy for me. I'm As long as they don't have to go out my way for it, that's perfect. But again, the people that do want to, should, not the weird like men with neck beards that want to just like get 50 things signed. Like, yeah, stamp that out. But maybe they just do it. Like if you get an autograph, you've got to be under under 15 or something. Just We'll, do it. we'll just have the kids do it. Well, I mean, you don't even need to do that. It's just one night. It's that simple. Yeah, like I've I, I've seen them before. Like when WWE put on events over here, and I've gone to them, and they have meet and greets. Like, and I'm walking past like that. Every sign on these meet and greets, as you walk by, are really clear of like two items or less that we will sign. Like no more than that. Like, and people are queuing up with their like figures and shit. But, like that's it's the easiest way. Like they're not yeah. going to get upset because they're not going to have to. They know it's two items or less. That's it. Well, there's but also no safety concern that. with no one's going to start on the wrestlers. <laughs> yeah, true. Well, you you would well. Where you, someone could have lamp the women, the women though. To be fair, some of the stuff you see online there is terrifying. Didn't you go to um, the wrestling like, yesterday? I did. I did. Um, Why are really they did. performing? Are they not uh, uh, in solidarity with the writers' strike? No, Give, given their actors. Do you know what? It's a really good question. They are. Um, it's just, it's yeah, not real. Genuinely. I hate to crush yeah. you. <laughs> no, because they're, like, they're independent contractors, right? Like, I'm surprised they're not. Okay, that's probably like the why. CEO trying to get a get out here. No, they're independent. No, I would assume why, because they're independent contractors and wrestlers have been talking a long time about unionizing. Like, and Craig will know, like, there's been a lot of problems with the fact that wrestlers have been quite taken advantage of with contracts and stuff because for a long time there was only WWF slash E. Like, there was no one else for a long time after WCW that, like, they basically were treated like shit. Like, it was, like, basically the equivalent of, like, the working man zero-hour contract. Like, it was mm. terrible. And there was a lot of talk about unionizing. And now I'm thinking about it, like, why didn't they just join that? Because, that, do you know what, they probably wouldn't be accepted in. That's why. Because that, they would probably look down on it. I'm going to look into it now. Yeah, You've got a bit me thinking. Of a slap to the it's face a good idea. that doesn't touch. Just I was going to say it doesn't cool. matter though, does yeah. it? Yeah. Um, they're used to they're used to that bump. Contest. Um, all right, we're at an hour twenty now. Um, we have gone on a long time for a game that was so bad to watch. Um, but we talked for about ten else? minutes about the game. To be fair, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There was another thing I wanted to bring up, and I forgot what it was now, so it couldn't have been that important. Um, because the autograph yeah. stuff like just went way off because that really annoys me. Um, what else is there? Oh, Europa League draw this Friday. 
Oh yeah, so an annoying time though, because I did. We were thinking yeah, about recording something uh, or doing something yeah. live, uh, but it's like early, like midday UK time, if I remember. Yeah, yeah. so it's like what six AM for you, Craig? Is that? Yeah, I'm. I'm no use to anyone at that early in the morning. So. No, yeah, that's <laughs> maybe. Maybe we'll do some. Maybe we'll think about doing something. If not, we can chat about it after the uh, the Newcastle yeah. game, right? Yeah, well, um, like a combo alternative idea. How about we do it on that day, a Twitter space, an X space to everybody listening at deadline. Let's run an X space as the transfer deadline shits. Oh, it's trans- is it Friday? And use oh. it to also recap the Europa League draw. I believe it's the 1st of September at 11 o'clock. The, the transfer window closes. 11 p.m. Friday, the 1st of September. Yeah. Yeah. So we okay, can go live there. That's a nice time for you guys. Should be done with work, probably. I well, It's 11 o'clock at night for me, so I'm not going to be doing anything else, am I? Um, so, the guy's, yeah. the guy's pulling back the curtain on, on Together BHA, eh? Yeah, yeah this is, this, is, are we live still? I don't, we are, we are, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we are. good. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure everyone loves this. Yeah, content. <laughs> yeah, we get paid extra by the sponsor if we go over one hour 20, so we just need to stretch it out. <laughs> We don't. Uh, yeah, we, we don't. Um, but just to reiterate, we are sponsored by Green King Sports. Um, and they will be showing uh, Brighton games at Green King Sports. Um, we will be televised next week against Newcastle, uh, for better or worse. Um, they do have over 900 sports pubs across the UK. Um, so whether you are in Brighton itself uh, and you're not able to make it due to those wonderful train strikes, uh, or you're in Birmingham, or, or you're up in Borough, where Robin is. Um, you can catch every single minute of the action if you want to anyway. Um, keep an eye out during this season for events, offers, content, and competitions. Uh, some could be Europa League-based. Uh, so keep an eye out for those uh, that put you closer to the action. Um, so keep an eye out. Pop into your local Green King next week uh, for the Newcastle game. Um, and just drink yourself to death if we play poorly don't die because then we lose that <laughs> yes yes don't die yeah, um, yeah. but yeah uh i think we're pretty much good to roll at this point aren't we um i don't think give the poor listeners else. their lives back after this yeah 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 yeah, yeah. 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 all right fellas uh, we will probably see you all on friday for a x space um which is just so stupid <laughs> Uh, and then we will see you again post Newcastle, of course, to talk about the transfer recap, talk about the Europa League, talk about the Newcastle game, and head into the international break. It's going to be an exciting week. Hope yeah. a lot going yeah. on. Love it. Thanks, Thanks everyone. Appreciate Thank it as always. <laughs>